Alright, if you can, turn with me to the book of Acts. We are in chapter 18. Today we are looking at Paul's time in the city of Corinth. Um, we kind of got halfway through last week, and so we're going to finish that out this morning. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 17 today. Says this. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. Thus ends our reading of God's encouraging word. May Jesus Christ be with all those who hear it. When God was about to bring his people into the promised land, it was a time filled with many, many unknowns. Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and, and, and for most of them, except for the spies, right? For most of them, they had yet to step foot into the land that God had promised to them. And to make things worse, Moses, their leader, for the past 40 years, had just died. And now it was up to Joshua to pick up the mantle and to lead them. This was a scary time. You see, for the, for the taking of the promised land, was it wasn't just a matter of crossing the Jordan River and entering in, but it was also a matter of removing the current inhabitants. There were battles ahead. War was at foot. War against many different nations. And, and the people of Israel had every reason to be fearful, particularly this Joshua. For, for all the pressure was now upon him. And he could have easily allowed his fears to overcome him. He could have turned tail and hide, hid, right? And, and that... And it was at that point, right before they were to enter into the land, that God came to this man with words of encouragement. Look, look, look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn, to, turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now there is a lot that is going on in this passage, more than what we will talk about today. But, but I hope you notice the parallels. The parallels to our passage in the book of Acts when, when Jesus came to Paul in his moment of distress. And in fact, when you, when you compare these two passages, it's, it's as almost as if Jesus was giving the same message to Paul that he had given to Joshua all those years ago. And there, there, there are four similarities that I, that I want to highlight for you today. One, with both Joshua and Paul, there was this command from God to not be afraid. He, he didn't want them to be fearful of what lied ahead of them. Rather, he wanted them to have courage. Two, with both Joshua and Paul, God was encouraging them to continue the task that he had set before them. They, they, they were not to back away from their calling just because it was dangerous. Rather, they were to press on. They were to move forward. Three, with both Joshua and Paul, God had promised to be with them. <clears throat> that as they were going forward, God would be right by their side fighting alongside them. And finally, with both Joshua and Paul, God let them know that they would have success. That as they moved forward, that they would conquer. And so as we go through our passage today, I want you to pay special notice to these things as they are key to understanding what God is speaking to us today. But before we dive in, let's, let's do a little review first. Because when we last left off, we were in the middle of what God was doing in Corinth, right? And if you recall, we, we were reading about the Apostle Paul and, and the ministry that he had begun in that city. And if you remember, Corinth was, was a city that was very dark, right? A place where people were given to greed and idolatry and, and not the least of all, sexual immorality. 
It was the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of sexual pleasure, pleasure that, that was the central figure whom these people worshipped. And so one would think that this would be the last place in the world where the gospel of Jesus Christ would find a, a foothold. And yet for some reason it did. But, but the success of the gospel wasn't just due to Paul's effort, right? For he had help from a number of different people. It, remember, it was through the partnership that he had with uh, Aquila and Priscilla that Paul was able to earn a living as well as get the gospel message out to those who attended the Isthmian Games, right? They, they had their own kind of Olympics there in Corinth. And then it was through the sacrificial giving from the churches in, in Macedonia, a, a whole province away, that Paul was once again able to focus all of his energies on his apostolic calling. And then finally we, we, we saw that when Paul was kicked out of the synagogue, that it was through the hospitality of this man named Titius Justice that Paul was able to continue his ministry because this, this Greek believer had opened up his home, giving Paul a platform to preach the gospel to the people of Corinth. And so we see through all of this that God was doing a mighty, mighty work throughout this city. And he was using ordinary people, doing ordinary things in order to accomplish the extraordinary, right? Both Jews and Gentiles were coming to Christ and the church was being formed right before their eyes. And yet this didn't come about without opposition. As I just mentioned previously, Paul had been kicked out of the synagogue. Many of the Jews in Corinth had expressed a, a vile hatred for Jesus Christ. And, and in their hatred... These men would vent their frustrations upon God's servant, upon the Apostle Paul. And this is what we see in our passage today. And yet, what Paul will be reminded of as we go through this is that there is not a scheme of man that can overcome the protective hand of the Lord Almighty. He is just way too powerful. And we can be thankful for that. Let's, let's see how this plays out. Look, look once again at our passage in Acts. Look at, look at Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. And 9 through 10. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. For, for many, many months now, we have seen the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And so we know much of the turmoil and the suffering that he had to endure as a preacher of the gospel. From being run out of cities to being chased by men who wanted to take his life from being thrown into prison to being stoned and left for dead. Paul knew firsthand the danger that he was in every time he proclaimed Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And now here in the city of Corinth, he had been banished from the synagogue by an irate group of men. And yet he was still having an influence upon the Jews of that synagogue. For, for the house from which he was now preaching from, the house of this tidiest justice, was right next door to that synagogue. And one of the converts that, that Paul had gained was, was a Jew named Crispus, who, who just happened to be the ruler of the synagogue. And, and while this, this was great news, this was also frightful news. For as the gospel spread, as the gospel was having an impact, it was also stirring up the ire of these Jewish leaders within that synagogue. The handwriting was on the wall, and it would only be a matter of time before there would be further attacks. And so Paul had every right to be fearful. He's been through this before. He's seen what happens when the gospel takes off. And from the perspective of those in the synagogue, the Apostle Paul was enemy number one, right? And so it wouldn't be long before they would retaliate. And I believe that this is the reason why that Jesus had come to Paul in the first place. In order that he might give to his apostle a word of encouragement. A word of comfort in order that he would be able to continue on in the work that he was doing. And as I pointed out earlier, there, there, there were four things in, the, in these words of encouragement that Jesus spoke to Paul. The first being the command, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Again, this, this harkens us back to the book of Joshua, right? When God commanded him to lead Israel into the promised land. And just like Paul, Joshua had every reason to be fearful. And yet, look at the words that God spoke to Joshua. Look, look, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. In terms of frequency, this command to not fear is actually the number one command in the Bible. And there is a reason that this command is given so often. Because ever since the fall, God's people have been under the attack of the enemy. Satan has been out to get us. And, and one of the ways that Satan goes about doing it is by toying with our fears. You see, Satan knows that if he can make God's people afraid, if he can frighten them, then they will become inactive. For they will be frozen, not willing to move, because their fears have gotten the best of them. I mean, how many of you have ever shied away of, from speaking about Jesus simply because you were afraid? I mean, I'm, I'm right there. And perhaps this was, was what was going on with Paul. Perhaps he was letting his fears get the best of him as the threats from this synagogue were increasing. And perhaps this was why Jesus needed to come to his servant in this vision in order to, in order to strengthen him. 
I think today in the West there's a lack of a gospel witness simply because Christians have been overcome with fear. And maybe not the same kind of fear that Paul faced, mind you. Not the fear of violence or even the fear of death. And that's what Paul had to be afraid of. But rather we have a social type of fear, right? The fear of ridicule. The fear of embarrassment, the fear of losing friendships, the fear of losing family members. And it's not that those fears aren't real or that there isn't real loss in those things. For there, for there is real loss. There is real sacrifice. And yet those losses, we, we cannot be using them as an excuse an excuse to ignore the calling that's upon our lives, that's upon the lives of every Christian. You see, just, just as the fear of violence and death was not an excuse for the Apostle Paul, or for Joshua for that matter, so too the fear of social abandonment is not an excuse for us. And just as God had commanded these two men to not be afraid, so too he has called upon us to have courage. It's called upon you to have courage. And this leads to Christ's second word of encouragement. That Paul would go on speaking and not be silent. To go on speaking and not be silent. In other words, Jesus wanted Paul to continue on with the work, with the task that he had set before him. Again, this is the same calling that, that was placed upon Joshua, right? Look, look, look again at Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And so Joshua had this task to fulfill, and that task was to take the land. And this was a dangerous task. It would mean war. It would mean battles. It would mean putting his own life on the line for the sake of God's people. And Paul had a task to finish as well. There was territory that needed to be conquered for Christ's kingdom. There were souls that needed to be won and leaders that needed to be raised up. But in order for, for, for Paul to do this, he could not be silent. He would have to go on speaking. That also meant that Paul's enemies would be speaking up against him and trying to cause him violent harm in their, in their efforts to silence him. Proclaiming the gospel is a dangerous task. But it is a task that needs to be done none, nonetheless. As believers today, we too must not be afraid to speak up. We must not be silent when it comes to the gospel. 
God has given to us his great commission. We, we are to be Christ's witnesses in, in Oxford, in, in Michigan, throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. But we can only do this if we open up our mouths, if we speak. We, we must proclaim Christ no matter what it costs us. And while this can be scary, and it requires courage on our part, we, are, we, we can know this, that when we are doing this, we are not alone. We are not alone. And this leads us to the third word of encouragement that Jesus gave to Paul. He, he said, for I am with you. For, for I am with you. Jesus had given this personal promise to his apostle that he would be with him. Those are encouraging words. Just like before, they're, they're, they're the same words that were spoken to Joshua, right? Right before he entered the promised land. Look, 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 at, look again at that Joshua 1, this time verse 5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And again in verse 9. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, how comforting must these words have been when they were spoken to Joshua? To know that wherever he went within that promised land, no matter what army he faced or what battle was before him, God would be right by his side. And we see this in the very first battle, the battle of Jericho. And we all know the story, right? How the walls fell. Do you remember what happened before Look at, look at Joshua chapter 5. Look at verses 13 through 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. <laughs> and so we see God's word to be true. For, for Jesus came to Joshua with his sword drawn, ready to fight this battle. And he was with Joshua through all of it. The same was true for Paul. Christ had told him, I am with you. So no matter what, what his enemies tried to do to him, Paul could be confident that Jesus, the, the, the king of the universe, would be right there by his side. And guess what? 
the same promise is for all those who take up the task of Christ's mission. Look, look, at, look at the Great Commission. Look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I mean, did you hear that? Jesus has promised to be with you as well. If you are on his mission, this, this mission that he has set before you, this mission of making disciples of all nations, if you are about his business, then you can count on him to be right by your side. And this is why you can take courage. And this is why you can continue in your task. Because just like Joshua and just like Paul, Jesus promises to be with you through all of it. Praise God. And when Jesus is with you, well then, well then you, you cannot fail. And this leads to, to Christ's fourth word of encouragement to the Apostle Paul. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. In other words, Paul, you're going to be successful. Paul, you're going to conquer. You see, as he would open his mouth and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the protective hand of Jesus would be upon him. But not only that, but there, but there would also be many within the city of Corinth who would come to this saving knowledge of their Savior. It was a promise to conquer. This promise to conquer was given to Joshua as well. Look again back at Joshua chapter 1. Look at verse 5 again. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Again, verse 6. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You see, God was promising to Joshua that he would be victorious. That he would win all of his battles. And that the people of Israel would take possession of the land. And now Jesus was promising the same thing here in Corinth for the Apostle Paul. No one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Basically, Jesus was promising Paul two things. One, that, that he would put his protective hand upon his apostle so that nobody could hurt him. And two, that he would be fruitful in his ministry. For God had chosen many within the city of Corinth to enter into his kingdom. And so just like Joshua, Paul would conquer. 
And you will conquer too when you become a worker in God's kingdom. Look, look at Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Here we see Jesus speaking. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, Jesus tells us plainly that the harvest is plentiful and that all that is really needed are the laborers. It's like looking into a, a vineyard and seeing all these clusters of, of ripe grapes and, and yet there is hardly anyone who's picking them. That, that's what it's like when you really lay hold of, of the Great Commission. When, when, when you become one of these laborers, there will be all these grapes before you just ready to be plucked. In fact, there will be too many for you to pick by yourself. Dear friends, there is a, a whole wide world that is filled with people who are looking for answers. And unless you speak to them, unless you open your mouth, then they will never know about the salvation that they can have through Jesus Christ. And yet when you do open your mouths, when you, when you proclaim Christ, well then Jesus promises that you will conquer in his name. That the harvest is plentiful. You just need to be bold and courageous and do the task that he has set before you. And so we see these four encouraging words that Jesus had given to the Apostle Paul. One, do not be afraid. Two, continue in the work. Three, I am with you. And finally, four, you will conquer. And yet the key to all of all four of these is actually number three, right? That Christ is with you. That is the linchpin to all of this. For when you know that Christ is with you, then, then all your fears will seem to drift away. For when you know that Christ is with you, then, then, then you are able to complete the task before you. And when you know that Christ is with you, and only because Christ is with you, you will conquer. So did Paul conquer? What, what were the results of these encouraging words from Jesus? Look, look back again at our passage in the book of Acts. Look at Acts verse 10, or verse 11. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And consider this. Up to this point, this was the longest stint that Paul had in any of the cities on his missionary journeys. And the reason why Paul could stay so long was because Jesus was right by his side. And so we see that this promise from, from Christ held true for the Apostle Paul. But how did Jesus go about doing this? Well, Luke tells us in, in, in our last few verses. Let's, let's see how this plays out. Look at, look at verses 12 and 13. 
But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. You see, a new proconsul had arrived in Corinth of this man named Gallio, a Roman court official who was under the command of Caesar, similar to Pilate, right? The position that Pilate had in Jerusalem, Gallio had in Corinth. And so the Jews who, who were against Paul decided that this would be the perfect time to bring Paul in. I mean, after all, Rome didn't seem to be too impressed with these Christians, right? I don't know if you remember from last week, but it was, it was Caesar who, who had kicked out all of the Jewish Christians from his city. Perhaps this Gallio would do this, the same here in Corinth. And so these men from the synagogue, they, they, they took Paul, brought him before the tribunal, and brought this charge before him. And, and what, was, what was the charge? That Paul was persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. And this is what the Christians in Rome were also accused of. Right? So why not bring these same charges against the Apostle Paul? Surely this Gallio would have the same mindset as his emperor. Now I'm sure that as Paul was standing there hearing these accusations against him, that he was prepared, that he was ready to defend himself, just as he had done before in so many different cities. And yet before he could even open his mouth, something else happens, right? Gallio, this proconsul, spoke. Look at, look at verses 14 and 15. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And so in a, a sudden turn of events, this Gallio refused to let this trial proceed. He, he made it clear to these Jews what his responsibilities really were. Matters of wrongdoing and of vicious crimes. He was not there to settle their trivial religious quarrels. No, he, he wasn't going to do that. They would not receive a judgment from him. Rather, they would have to handle these matters for themselves. And yet, in all reality, they, they really couldn't handle such matters. For, for Paul was no longer a member of their synagogue. And thus, no longer under their jurisdiction jurisdiction they kicked him out instead Paul had begun his own community right using the house of tidious justice for their gatherings and so the Jews from this synagogue they really couldn't touch the apostle Paul basically when you when you boil this all down this this ruling or really this non-ruling from from Gallia was actually a recognition from the state that these Christians were a legitimate Jewish group within Corinth 
a group that now held the same rights and privileges as other Jewish groups within that city. And so these Christians could remain and could gather together without interference from the state. Now think about this. I mean, these Jews, what did they want? They wanted to see Paul either arrested or, or something far worse happen to him, right? And they wanted to prevent these Christians from ever meeting together again. They wanted to stop the spread of the gospel. And yet the ruling that they received was the exact opposite. And why did this happen? Because Jesus was with the Apostle Paul. He had placed his protective hand upon his servant, and he had used his proconsul Gallio to do his bidding. In, in God's providence, he had placed a man who cared less about politics, about appeasing the masses, and more about dispensing true justice within the city of Corinth. You see, it wasn't Caesar who placed Gallio in Corinth. It was God. God selected his own man for his own kingdom purposes. And so we see Christ's words coming to fruition, do we not? Paul truly had no reason to fear, even though he was brought before this Roman proconsul. And because of this ruling that Gallio gave, Paul would not now be able to go on speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ without worry. And all because Jesus was with him. I have to imagine that, that Paul, as well as the whole church, were very, very encouraged. And I'm sure this spurred them on to, to, to continue their, their ministry even more. To preach the good news to, to, to more and more of the lost souls within that city. For they now knew that, that Christ had many in this city who were his people. In fact, we are going to see one of them in our last two verses. In this scene at the end of Paul's trial. Look at this. Look at verse 16 and 17. And he drove them, and he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. <clears throat> and so, so Gallio, what, what did he do? He removed Paul's accusers from his courtroom, for he wanted nothing more to do with them. He was sick of them. And as they were leaving, what did these Jews do? They, they, they turned on their own leader simply because he had failed in his pursuit against Paul. They, they beat him in front of everyone. And even though Gallio saw, saw all that was going on, he, he, he didn't really blink an eye, right? Perhaps he thought this was fitting justice for this one who had wasted his time. And yet for this Sosthenes, this may have been the best thing that had ever happened to him. For it may have opened up his eyes to his own vicious nature. Look at what we read in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother... Who is that? 
Sosthenes. Our brother Sosthenes. This Sosthenes who, who tried to get Paul convicted. Who wanted to put an end to the church in Corinth. Who when he had failed to do so had been beaten and humiliated by men from his own synagogue. This same Sosthenes had become a believer in Jesus Christ. But not just a believer, but then also a missionary. A a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And all because Jesus is with his people. That is the power of the gospel, is it not? He takes enemies and suddenly they become servants. Listen, if there is anything that you should take away from what you've heard today, let it be this. That Jesus is reigning. And that he's going to grow his kingdom in spite of how hard the world works against him. And so when Jesus says that he will be with you, know this. You have the most powerful being in the universe on your side. So lay aside your fears. And set your mind to accomplishing his mission. And you will conquer in his name. Let us pray. Father, we know that we are too weak to do anything on our own. That in our own strength we will only fail. And yet with you by our side, we are more than conquerors. And so we pray for you to give us courage as we spread the message about your Son. And we pray for you to keep us on task even when the whole world is out to silence us. We can only do so through the power of your Holy Spirit. So fill us, fill us, we pray in Jesus' name.